With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 41. I am Rob Pizzola, joined by Johnny from Betstamp. How's it going? Excited for this one, Rob, for sure. We have a little bit of a crossover episode coming for you guys right now. We do. We're going to switch things up a little bit this week. Uh, one of our most listened to episodes of all time was actually episode number three, which was when we first discussed the NFT space. Uh, me and Johnny at that time were collecting NBA top shots. Uh, once every couple months, we also run a listener Q&A where we get a lot of crypto related questions, but we mostly avoid them ourselves because neither myself or Johnny is an expert in the crypto space. We own some crypto, but neither of us considers ourselves to be experts, but we are well aware that there is a large overlap between sports bettors and those that are interested in the cryptocurrency space. And in light of the current landscape in crypto with some crazy price action over the course of the last couple of weeks, uh, we figured this would be a great time to bring in a seasoned crypto expert to the show. So his name is Cheds. You can follow him on Twitter at Big Cheds. You can subscribe to his YouTube channel, Cheds, as well. He's the best-selling author of Trading Wisdom, 50 Lessons Every Trader Should Know, which is available on Amazon. And I still have a ton to learn in the crypto space. I can credit most of my limited knowledge to following Cheds and checking out his educational material on his YouTube channel and on his Twitter account. And we now welcome in him on circles off Cheds, how's it going hello everybody that was just a really kind introduction so i want to thank you for those kind words uh you know it's great to meet new people and reach new audiences uh, you know before we started recording we talked a little bit about how different um hobbies or different uh you know things can cross over so there's a lot of crossovers between uh crypto and sports betting and we talked about poker so i think this will be a really fun conversation and i'm excited to be here gentlemen uh, all right, Cheds, we like to start at, with every guest by getting a bit of bit background on them. Now, obviously, you value your anonymity. I can see that with the sunglasses, the mask, the jacket, and everything like that. Um, so feel free to ago- avoid going into too much detail here. But let the listeners and the viewers know a bit about yourself and how you ended up being heavily involved in the crypto space. Yeah, I appreciate that opportunity. Um, I started trading about you know 10 or 15 years ago, and that was uh, legacy market and it was some um, things i didn't really understand uh, buying it and then just holding it, not understanding why i was losing money right and i you know found out later i was kind of buying that uh sell the news phase um you know years later actually i got involved in penny stocks on the otc marketplace and that's when marijuana started to become legalized and we saw a lot of volatility and a lot of interest in the over-the-counter the pink sheet stocks um and for someone like me who was still really an undisciplined trader at that point and I've never really thought of myself as an investor because I don't understand the news too much I just focus on the price um but back then as a trader there was a lot of volatility and a lot of uh, liquidity and interest in the penny stock market and I started trading there heavily you know I found Japanese candlesticks and Japanese candlesticks are interesting they go back to uh, the 18th century in like feudal Japan you know you read the stories about how it starts out Really, it's just uh, the representation of the psychology of the market, the candlesticks. It shows buying pressure, selling pressure, you know, shows where battles have been fought right on the chart. And you kind of give you that little bit of a history. I got into that. Um, Years later, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. This is 2017. Right. And just before that, a good friend of mine, I was hanging out with him. His name is Big Chonis. He's on Twitter, too. He showed me his phone and had the Coinbase app. And I saw like Ethereum. Litecoin, and I, the, for my first thought was, what's this, what's this dude doing with like minerals? Why is he, you know, why is he accumulating precious minerals? And it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, but you know, at that point, I already had a Twitter account, and you know, I made so many mistakes early on. And like part of my learning process was teaching others. So I started a blog. I started to like make note of certain things. And I, you know, very slowly and organically built an audience over time you know, from 2014 on. So by 17, I've got a little bit of a community and I'm just kind of a no-nonsense chart guy, right? I started posting Bitcoin charts and Litecoin charts, all of a sudden retweet, like, you know, I'm like, whoa, dopamine rush. People, you know, people are interested in what I'm putting out there, right? So that's 17. 
I get the cancer diagnosis and then Bitcoin goes to 20K. So I went through a really tough period in my life. And luckily, Bitcoin was crazy at that time. So I could focus on it. I focused on crypto. I focused on Bitcoin. I focused on being something to other people. So a guy who could maybe help them out. And we fed off each other. There was a synergy, you know, and then um, I kind of got really lucky. There's a guy named Crypto Man Ran. And he was had a program called on CNBC Africa, right? This was on like a weird time of night. He had a big audience and he was looking for chartists, you know, technical analysts. And uh, like one of his guests had canceled. So I just happened to have like a good chart ready, you know, that I just had marked up and I was trying to get clout on a good tweet. You know, I had it ready where I was trying to say, hey, look at this great call. Look what I've learned. Look what we've learned. And I replied to him thinking there's no way he's going to respond. Ended up getting on his program and kind of introducing me to like a bigger audience uh, than Bitcoin Live. I joined Bitcoin Live with, you know, Bob Lucas, Peter Brandt, uh, Dean uh, you know, see the lightning and a bunch of great contributors like Axel and Mark. We have a great team. And so from there, it's like, hey, I'm a, this is serious. Kept building, kept building through a bear market. Um, you know, beat the cancer, by the way. And thanks to everyone for that support. What a way to really make you realize every day is a gift mm-hmm. um, and have just grown. Right. And then I did CMT, Chartered Market Technician, level one. And it just kind of blew my mind. And for the longest time, you know, I wanted to know like who was right. Cause everyone had like a rule of thumb or like um, a way they approach things. And it just was annoying to, annoying to me that there was like no clear answer. You know, like in sports, my friend, my good buddy and I talk about like politics versus sports. Like somebody wins the game, unless it's like that dumb, you know, tie in football, but pretty much somebody wins the game. Right. And in politics, usually nobody wins. They just spin the loss. With trading, I wanted to know what the rule was. So I did CMT. I did the Chartered Market Technician Level 1. I learned Eastern TA, Western TA. And then I wrote the book, uh, Trading Wisdom. And it was just, I had collections of things I'd been working on for years. You know, it's it's trading psychology. It's risk management. A lot of like bankroll management. You think about poker and, you know, think about, it's about like momentum. And, you know, technical analysis in trading is about identifying momentum and just riding that train, right? That's really all it is. So... Um, that's how I got into it. That's how it grew. I'm working on several more books right now. I'm having fun with it, you know, and hopefully do some fishing this summer. And that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I'm glad you beat the cancer first and foremost. So great thing that you're, you're healthy there. And I really liked your explanation there because if I, if I liken this to the sports betting space, um, you would probably be ridiculed in the sports betting space because there's this common assumption among sports bettors that anyone who's providing some sort of educational information um, or charging for anything, trying to monetize their following, um, they are tech, you know, tend to be ridiculed in this space because of the fact that people think they've either lost their edge or that um, they're just trying to sell other people something. So I appreciate that background from you because it gives a little bit more context and, and the routes that you have taken um, in terms of getting to where you are. So um, for all the listeners out there um, who, who would accuse us of having like a tout or a shill on, I think just based off of Ched's background here, you can see that he's obviously very informed and put a lot of time into learning the craft. Yeah, you. Uh, I know you, you mentioned the poker space, so I guess um, you know sports very di- very different than poker, but at the same time, it's similar in a sense that like the bankroll management comes into play, and then other things you mentioned, yeah. like you know technical trading, maybe not so much. But when you're looking at like you know managing bankroll, the emotional side of trading, the psychological mm-hmm. side of things. Question I wanted to ask you was, you know, like where did you get that knowledge? You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. su- that's some things that you know the emotional side, the psychological thing. I know people can read your book now, but where did you kind of come up with that stuff? How did you learn about that? A lot of it was like trial by fire and like every mistake I've made, like that I just yell at you not to make. I've made, I keep making it. I've made it so many times. Um, It's always easier to kind of tell your friend not to have that last beer and you've got, you're drinking your own, you know, Um, (laughs) time and experience, but also my, my, my background in psychology. So I've always kind of thought about the social dynamics of things. I've always thought about the emotional, the mental experience of things. And, um, you know, like I love poker and there's a lot of like poker is everything. It's like how you dress, how you stand, your body language, how you tap your fingers, like everything's interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, there's no shortcut. So it's really just the experience for people who are new to this thing, you know, 
really it's it's really like like anything like you're a sports better and you're playing like whatever whatever the weekly uh you know you're playing the weekly like you pick a team or whatever i forget the, the phrase i used to do a little bit but you know if it's like a one in ten shot you're not putting in half your bankroll and if you're brand new you're you know try to risk like 50 bucks 100 bucks you gotta get a little skin in the game keep that bet small and just like you gotta learn because nobody starts out like you know nobody starts out being profitable you know and if you're profitable it's a fluke so you know it's just a long road you know long yeah I, I hear you i think myself me and johnny have very different background stories in terms of how we became professional betters um he was a little bit more seasoned because he took in a lot of information right out of the get-go and followed a lot of people in the space and tried to learn before getting involved whereas i started betting when i was much younger lost a lot of money in the process and learned through experience I'm just curious if you think that one avenue, if, if someone was getting into the crypto space, if you think one avenue is better than another, whether it's, you know, depositing a very small amount of money in a crypto exchange and learning the ropes yourself, or whether if you were to start all over again, you would just learn everything from the get out of the get go. It has a lot to do with time management. And, you know, that's one of those things when you, when you um, approach the concept of comparing yourself to someone else, like someone else has better results. So they maybe can actually sit at a computer all day and play four seven, but you like probably have to, you know, work a job. So with crypto, like if you can't watch it all the time, that changes your confirmation level, right? What that means is the confirmation of your trade idea, right? It, it's very simple. Every time you're going to risk money, you need a trade thesis. That's basically the idea, which is, okay, it's a, it's a, an uptrend, which is going to continue, right? It's, it's finished correcting and it's ready to, you know, to continue. And I know that because it's bouncing off a hundred dollars and I'm saying that's the bottom. I think it's going to go up to 120. Now your stop loss is when that idea fails below hundred, I'm out. You've defined your risk and you're looking for what's called an asymmetric risk to reward. If say you enter at a hundred dollars and you say below hundred, I'm out. But once it's at, you know, 105, I've got a nice profit there. So you want to define your every idea needs to be defined. You know, for the first X number of years, probably like seven, eight years for me, the biggest losses were just holding on to and adding losers. You never do that. You want to add to your winners. You have to know when the trade idea fails and get out. That's the most important point. So if you can't watch it all day. You know, that changes that. You can't, it's not intraday. It's, it's based on a candle close. When you come home at night and you see, okay, it closed above or below the level, right? Some people are more swing traders. They may step out to a weekly chart versus a daily chart. If you think about something, your, your viewers are probably familiar with the concept of leverage, right? So when you're trading off like a 15-minute chart, that's high leverage. You step out to a daily or weekly chart, it's lower leverage, right? It's less whipsaw. So Wait, well, you will need to approach the market based on how much time you can give to it, how much attention you can give to it. It's a fast car. You have to watch it. If it's a slow car, you know what I mean? You don't have to watch it as much. So that's really for each user to define based on how much time they have. So Chad's, I had a question on the chart stuff here. So, um, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've watched a bunch of your YouTube videos and, uh, you know, in terms of how you explain the technical analysis with the, the whole candlestick things um, and sure. how, you know, the top, the pressure, the buy and sell pressure. I wanted to compare it yeah. to sports real quick for you and then something that the listeners would be a bit more familiar with. Um, within the sports betting market, a lot of the times, and I'd say 99.9% .9 of the time, any charts, trend charts, are typically garbage and typically help n nobody in terms of actually doing it. I'll explain why. In sports, you know, everything changes up to the second in the sense that, you know, if you go look at a football game, you might see Kansas City versus New England there's no value in looking at the last 25 times these teams played because there's different players, different conditions, different quarterbacks starting. So a lot of people who go and bet based on these trends end up obviously getting wrecked, as we would call it in the, in the crypto space. However, I know with you know things like stocks, markets that are a little bit more fluid where you can trade a whole market or a whole coin, technical analysis does come into play. So what I wanted to actually ask you was just like, do you think, you know, can you still make a lot of money trading on technical analysis in the Bitcoin space right now? I think it's really the only way to, you have to understand the price filters out everything else. First of all, in regards to sports, you know, 20, the last 25 teams, that's more of like a media narrative. That's just like something to talk about. Obviously like different players, different team, different coach, different weather, like different everything. 
you know, the way I approach it in crypto, you can tell me this coin is going to do X, Y, and Z. I'll say that's cool, man. Let's go. Let's go for beer. But the price will tell me if it's true, right? You know, everybody has an opinion. I'm like, I don't care. Show me the price. It's so imp- it's so simple. Does the price hold support or not? Everything boils down to that. You have a trend. It's so you have a trend, and you have an idea on that chart that will either show you increasing or decreasing momentum, right? There's something called People use moving averages, for example. And let's just simplify it. You have a five-period moving average, simple moving average. That means each of those five periods has the same weighting. The price is rising, and it's above the moving average, right? It's accelerating. At some point, it may dip and touch that moving average. Let's say it does that a few times, but maybe the third time it dips below it you know, for two or three days. That's a sign of weakening momentum. So maybe it doesn't mean you sell. It means you start to watch for other signs of weakening momentum. That's what TA, TA is. That's what trend analysis is. And you use the same techniques as anything else. It's about how you manage your risk, how you define your risk, how you define your trade idea. These days, the majority of my trades are buying dips in uptrends. I almost never play a reversal play. A reversal play, it's a downtrend, and trends tend to continue, right? If, you, if you're familiar with something called the RSI, People love to buy things because the RSI is low. The RSI is below 30. The only way to get your RSI below 30 is to be bearish. I don't want to be in something that's bearish. I want to be in something that's bullish. So it's about how you orient yourself. You have to only play the best of the best, right? You have to only play the top five charts, right? Only play the charts of relative strength and buy the dips in those charts. And that really gives you the best chance, especially as a new trader. I mean, there's so many years of mistakes I've made of just trying to play reversal plays or buying that green pump rather than the dip in the broader green pump. You know what I mean? So you got that, that's what I would say about that. That makes a lot of sense. So Chad, there's a lot of people in sports betting who make uh, money and, you know, quite a lot of money playing, uh, you know, basically with the market and picking off certain inefficiencies. Um, okay, sorry, let me explain this a little better. Uh, people use the efficient market theory in saying that the price is the price at, every, at any given time. And what they do is they shop around from essentially exchange to exchange in sportsbook to sportsbook and pick off any exchange that they can that might have an arbitrage opportunity and things like that. Obviously, in crypto, these opportunities exist. They get scooped up really quick as well. Yeah. But what I, what I was going to ask you is what are your thoughts on the efficient market theory within crypto? Uh, and, and, and by that, I mean... The fact that the price is the price at any given moment. And when something is dipping, uh, you know, that's just new information that's reflected and that then becomes a new price. That's exactly right. I believe in what's called the semi-strong version of um, efficient market hypothesis, which believes that all public information is baked in. I don't believe that private information can be uh, baked in. The strong uh, version would believe that everything's baked in. Um, You know, everything is noise. If it's important, like, you know, there's a phrase, I'm much, I'm much more interested in the market's reaction to news than whatever the news is, because mm-hmm. that's what matters. It's the reaction to the news. It, I don't care what the news is. Look at the reaction. Secondly, almost every market reaction is an overreaction. So you got to keep in those, those things in mind. All right. Let the dust settle and look to the broader trend. When in doubt, zoom out, go to a daily chart, go to a weekly chart, focus on the moving averages is the price holding those moving averages, right? Is the price holding um, gains? What you want to look at in terms of the health of a chart with technical analysis is when you have a resistance level, let's say the price tries to break through 100, it gets rejected, it comes back to 50. Let's say it tries again, it breaks through 100, it gets rejected, it comes back to 75. Next time it breaks through, now we're in the 100. We spend the next six months above 100. We come back, we need to hold 100 in that first test. We really want to hold it. You want to see that levels that have been recaptured become support. It's called the principle of polarity. When you flip resistance into support in a war, once you got, you know, once you capture enemies forward base, you don't want to lose it when they push back and they have their momentum wave. And it's kind of that same concept. Very interesting. We're talking to Cheds here. You can follow him on Twitter at big Cheds. Uh, one thing I really wanted to ask you about was the information in the space, whether good or bad and how to decipher between both, because I've personally been immersed in crypto Twitter for years Uh, trying to gain knowledge. Uh, But I can say there are even more touts and shills on crypto Twitter than than even sports betting Twitter, which we see a ton of, who are patting themselves on the back during an uptrend for predicting the price is going to go up um, and really making money from that point of view. What do you think are some good identifiers of if somebody knows what they're talking about or, or if they should be taken seriously in the space? 
I don't, you know, that's a great question. I think it's what's more important actually is the idea that you need to be the originator of your own play, right? Your play needs to come from your watch list, not someone else's tweet, all right? So to directly answer your question, you look to see, do they delete their tweets? How heavily do they celebrate their winners? Do they, you know, do they promote their, their losers? But it's not really about that person. It's not about the personality. It needs to be about the individual because you, ha you have to make it your market. It has to be about... You, you only need to play the stuff that's on your watch list. You really need to just learn five, six, seven, eight, nine plays. You have to learn them. You need muscle memory, right? It's not about which guy you can follow to get good plays. Yes, you want to find people who will teach you, who will be educational. You want to find people who, who, who do not, um, who, who are mean, nice to their followers, man. If you see people, you know, asking legitimate questions and the guy's like, hey, douchebag, you know, go, you know, go fly a kite maybe that's not the right person so there's stuff like that as well but it's not about the person who's going to lead you know lead you to glory that's you like you got to grab a textbook you got to watch tons of free stuff on um on youtube but like i mean get get to me i can point you and there's a lot of good stuff out there there's a lot of great follows i've done some um some recommendations if you go on my my twitter channel i did like a uh, go to the, my uh, type twitter go to from colon big cheds hashtag ff and that's like anybody I've ever like recommended. So that's a good, good list right there. Just piggybacking off that a little bit. Sorry, Johnny, I'll let you cut no, in. I was just going to say, I'll check that out for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I was going to do that right after the show as well, maybe mid show, but uh, just to piggyback off that Cheds as well. Um, you mentioned, you know, EMAs um, as something to look at. Um, if anyone was to ask myself or Johnny about any major sport, I would point to some specific metrics that they should consume in some capacity. If, you know, if you're, if you're handicapping the NFL, you're going to want to familiarize yourself with EPA and success rates, yards per play, stuff like that. Um, if you had to construct a, a basic, very simple list of concepts or metrics that would be worthwhile for someone to dig into if they're just getting into the space, want to start their own technical analysis, where does that start? I would actually recommend you, you, you use almost no indicators. It's, it, there's this interesting evolution of traders where they start out and they keep adding indicators. They're looking for that one indicator that worked that last time and they want to replicate it for the next trade. You know, the, in the guys who are, you know, decades beyond me, I look at them and it's just one, maybe one moving average and some candles. Um, so what I would recommend is a simple approach. You want to use the Bollinger Bands, developed by John Bollinger. He's on Twitter. The dude is a legend. The Bollinger Bands have a have a 20 period simple moving average. And you can think about that as just an average. And you want, you know, in, an, in a bullish chart, you want to buy it when it dips below that because it's a temporary dip, right? It's a moving average. Then you have the Bollinger Bands above and below that, a certain standard deviation of volatility. Those are important because a movement outside of those bands is a movement outside of the standard deviation, right? Uh, it's likely to revert to the mean. So I like to use the Bollinger Bands. If you're a fan of Japanese candlesticks, you want to use the Bollinger Bands because everyone knows what a hammer – well, many people know what a hammer candle is in Japanese candlesticks. That's a bullish reversal candle. You want that at the lower Bollinger Band, not the middle, right? Because you want to be reversing the trend. You want to think about, is there something to, to reverse here? So that's why the Bollinger Bands work well with candlesticks. Simpler than that is you just want to focus, focus on horizontal levels. When the price is first rejected, but then eventually you get back over that level, does it keep holding that level? That, that's really what's important. You want to look at candles, the upper and lower shadows. So if you see a grouping of candles with a lot of lower shadows, that means, you know, that means the price went down, but it kept getting scooped up, kept getting pushed up by the end of the day, end of the day. That shows bulls rejecting lower prices. That shows bullish momentum. So generally speaking, the health of a chart, those lower shadows and holding levels that are recaptured. That's what's important. Not using different indicators, not a complicated method. I'm telling you, that's what you got to focus on. Yeah. So for those of you who are, I guess, even listening on audio who might might be like, you know, what's going on here? I don't understand any of this stuff. I think if you do want to familiarize yourself with it, best way is going to be go to Ched's YouTube. Um, I watched a couple of videos on this uh, in over the past couple of weeks. And there's one real good one, which, uh, you know, Zach will link in the show notes from December Ched's where you went through, uh, you know, kind of explain the whole candle sit candlestick, um, you know, method of analyzing and technical trading. So I'd recommend that one uh, just for anyone kind of starting out. Is there any other videos you'd want to recommend, Cheds, for someone who's just, you know, brand new, let's say doesn't even know anything to do with technical, doesn't know what the, you know, anything? 
So definitely go to my YouTube, and I definitely appreciate the opportunity to, to say that, and, th and thank you for having me, of course. YouTube at Cheds or Cheds Trading. Go to playlists. There's something called tutorials, and they just mentioned it. I've done three of them. They're master class webinars. They're about over an hour each, and I go through everything, my complete setup. I talk about volume, reversals, continuation plays. That is like that that's you'll just love it and then keep watching until you get it right go watch those then i have my book i have a free version of my book on my youtube channel i'm eventually doing all 50 lessons for free i've done 11 so far um some people can't buy the book and you know and before, when i initially published it i didn't have audible yet so some people wanted like the audio version so i started doing the videos so um check out that and that will hook you up you'll really if you're into that if you get that far you'll, you'll be doing fine you'll be doing fine Chads, how much, uh, how much are you trading right now? Like how, how often, um, are you kind of like behind the screen actually trading? Yeah, I trade a lot. Um, I trade pretty much all day, but I'm playing, um, like video games too, at the same time. Like I'm playing new world right now, nice. uh, which is kind of like a wow clone. Um, I'm kind of both trading crypto and I'm doing legacy. Like, right. I've been long Apple. I'm shorting volatility in the market right now. Um, so I'm watching all the time. It's like literally my job, but I could also just like leave for a few hours and go do something. And if I see anything interesting, I'll tweet it out. Like I take that responsibility seriously. So um, I'm always pretty much always trading, but it doesn't mean I'm literally always trading, but I'm in, I'm in the zone. You know what I'm saying? Got it. So one thing I wanted to ask was, um, you know, this one is, is really, really big for sports right now. And I know I keep drawing these conclusions as we are primarily a sports betting podcast, but News is huge. You mentioned at the beginning with the, your version that you believe in of the efficient market hypothesis, you know, all public information is baked in. And then there's some info that's not yet public, right? Within sports betting, there's info that's not yet public. Then it becomes public. And there's still, you know, a 30 second window in which you can trade. For example, a player being announced in or out of a specific game or, a, you know, a key player yeah. within the crypto space. Um, Two questions. Number one, how quick is the market reacting to external news? I'd assume it's it's very fast. And number two, what types of external news actually impacts the crypto market? So yeah, you know, COVID, world war, stuff like that is obviously going to impact it. But what other things that people might not think are going to impact the, the price of crypto? So, I mean, how quick, first of all, how quickly it, it affects it. I mean, you, you have to, a lot of it's already ha happened. So by the time you see the news, you know, a lot of it's already baked in. You've had, you know, like, for example, Bitcoin had the um, futures ETF and there was, a, there was a rise up in anticipation of that. And I tweeted about it. Other people tweeted about it. Um, and then we had a little bit of a sell off, a little sell the news. So that was a little bit predictive. Um, like what news could happen? You could have. I, you know, like if Apple announced they were buying Bitcoin, you know, you know, that would that would it would triple in price. Or if, if they announced like a spot ETF, mm -hmm. um, you know, that would that would really help the price, um, you know, things that can damage it. You'd have to I think like, you know, like a main like a big exchange going down um, or something like that fraud like that. But that's beneficial. You want to buy any dip on a headline. That's just a rule of thumb. Any market reaction is an overreaction, especially right away, the initial reaction. And with Bitcoin's a secular or long-term uptrend. So we're down 50% from all-time highs. We are below the weekly moving average, but we're above the 200 moving average. So like if it dropped here and you tag that weekly 200 moving average, I mean, that's a very high confidence buy, right? It's, just, it's been for 10 years, right? And it's also classical charting where you're buying uptrend that's dipping to major moving average support. So it's, it's kind of, it's sound in my view, in several reasons, in several ways. So news, I, I buy dips in news, like the, um, I, I, you know, I tweet about this. It's my, it, for me, it's school of thought, free association thought. This is what I believe. I, it comes right out. And, uh, like with China, it was, it's like every time China bans Bitcoin, it's like, I bought a little more. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, I've been following you for a long time. Uh, I've picked up on a lot of that stuff as, as well. But um, every now and then I see a tweet from you adding some BTC to my long-term hold, uh, adding some ETH to my long-term hold. As far as I can remember, though, you've only really been accumulating Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is, is there a particular reason for that? So, so I sold, okay, so I sold all my Ethereum at 4,800. And I sold uh, like half my Bitcoin around 64. And I started to buy back like high 40s. And I started to buy a lot more back at the 40K level. I was actually anticipa anticipating the bounce. So like if people are like, Ched, you never get it wrong. I'm, you know, I got it wrong. I thought we would, we would hold 40K. 
So I bought there, I'll buy lower. Um, in terms of my, you know, there's so many other coins to play. I'm just risk averse. I really like to define my risk. Um, I like to buy Bitcoin because I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a hedge against other things. There's, it's scarcity. There's, there's only so much of it around. So I understand supply and demand, right? You know, I, I understand at least that. Ethereum, it's the second, in my view, second safest. Um, it still has pretty solid upside. I trade everything else. You know, I trade about 5% of my crypto portfolio I trade. And I trade it very aggressively. The other 95, I just add to it. And, um, but as you can see, major market tops. I, 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 you know, I sold and I tweeted out as I sold. It wasn't like a shady thing. It's like I literally told people this is the top of the market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a tiny bit early, but, you know, I was, you know, I, 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 I said my play. I like to kind of announce my plays because that's the best way. You know, other people can hold you accountable. We're all learning together. But that's my approach, Bitcoin and Ethereum. We often hear stuff like, uh, you need to check out this this great new project, whether it's a great technology yeah. or a great team behind it, what, whatever the case may be for checking out something new. Do you think there's actually any value in, in like 90% of these other cryptocurrencies where people um, say that, you know, there's a great team behind a great technology, or do you think that's just a marketing ploy to drive prices up? So that's, I mean, you're asking a, a, a TA guy an FA question. So, right. you know, there probably are some great teams, but I wouldn't know what they are. So my approach, which filters all that is just, you know, if it's true, I'll see it in the price. And if your project's great, I will notice when the downtrend is reversing. I will notice that all of a sudden that downtrend has a higher low and now it's recapturing the level that it lost a few months before. You know, I'll kind of observe that momentum. If it's true in a chart that's already been bullish and you're, you're telling me and I'm like, man, where did you buy and you bought way lower? I'll, I'll look at the next dip. I'll kind of observe uh, kind of the, 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 the structure of that of that consolidation. When the price drops, it will consolidate. That means it pauses. You have a little bit of a tug while you kind of reset that equilibrium between the supply and the demand. And based on that, you can look for clues, right? With trading, what I like to do is look for a really clearly de clearly defined level, right? I like to listen to the price. And if the price keeps either rejecting or bouncing off a certain level, I watch that level. And when that level flips, that might allow me to take a trade, right? I'm You're just trying to ride momentum. There's trains moving you know, left and right, and you want to try to jump on one, ride it for a little bit, and then jump off you know, and uh, keep watching. I had a question come in from, uh, you know, one of my good buddies who uh, is involved in the space as well. I told him you were coming on and uh, he had one question for you yeah. involving uh, staking in crypto. And he, he wanted to know, yeah. A, if you do any of that and B, uh, if you think there's any specific tokens that might be coming out with, uh, you know, good staking rewards in the next in the next couple months. Like, what do you, where do you where do you see that portion of the market? coming into play yeah i'm definitely not i'm definitely not i have really no experience with staking i really stay in my lane i, I have really no experience with nfts i am just an act i love the academic observations about price and i'm a degenerate trader um so i just like to, to kind of play that that's my edge um i could probably look through my network and get you like a like a connection on that someone who's like a good uh, into that space um like benjamin blunt is at smart contractor i believe on twitter I think just off, off the top of my head, I believe is there's some really good people, but I'm not one of them kind of for that, for that uh, subject. No, fair enough. Uh, I, I respect that actually. The, um, the one thing with, you know, a lot of people in the crypto space is people try to do everything. It's one thing I've just observed from a, from a distance <laughs> here is people really? think that they can go and work a full-time job doing something or work a part-time job at like a retail store. and like, Oh, I also trade crypto on the side. And um, you know, whenever I hear things like that, first thing that comes to mind is like, they don't really know the time it takes to actually master a craft of trading in any, in any uh, market, yep. right? Because I know how long it takes for, and I'm, and by no means am I the best in the world or like a master at betting sports, but I know even just to get to my level, how many hours I had to put in, how much time it takes and how much time it takes on a daily basis to continue to operate at that level. So for me, that's why I don't trade crypto because I know what the edges in sports betting, I would get absolutely clobbered unless I had that time to commit to. So when you mention, you know, it's a long-term game and you have the time and you have to be there, um, you know, what's the advice for someone who might not have that time? Is it to not actively trade? Is it to buy and hold? What, what would you say would be some good advice there? Well, if you're looking for exposure, you can definitely dollar cost average and you just buy a little bit every week. 
you know, and you really buy it with money. Ideally, you can afford to lose, but um, it, it needs it can't be your rent money. Like, please don't use your rent money. And I tell people and I put out a tweet, if you're trading with your rent money, pull it out and pay the bills because, you know, you need to you need to remove the emotional attachment attachment from it like in poker like if you need to check raise the guy you need to do it you don't need to think that it's a hundred bucks you know you've got to make the play um i know exactly what you mean about not having the time i tried to do like um fantasy football and i i think i put in like 40 hours and i made 80 bucks or 100 bucks <laughs> after a week i'm like this is crazy i am not like nope you know so you know it's really hard if you don't have the time and so i respect the edge and i respect the time you put into your craft uh, i want you to know that um, what I would say is there's the concept of swing trading versus kind of scalping or flipping, you know, flipping, you, you're watching it and you can really actively trade it. You can definitely trade. You can swing trade. Just use the weekly chart, you know, or use like a three day chart and base your entries uh, off of like the candle close, have like a conservative um, filter, a conservative threshold. I talk about all this stuff in my YouTube channel, so it will sound very abstract, right? If someone's just watching this for the first time. Um, but it's really about the time frame. You gotta, you're going to have to play just the broader trend. If you don't have the time to watch it, you got to play the, just the broader trend. All right. Interesting. We're talking to Cheds here. You can check out his YouTube channel for some very good educational information. Um, Cheds, I wanted to ask you a question that is more particular to sports betting. And it's one that we always get when we do a Q&A, but we don't really answer it. I'm just interested if, if you have any thoughts on it. But uh, a lot of sports bettors listening out there, they, they're struggling with when to time their withdrawals from offshore sports books. So when you put, when you're depositing into a, a, an offshore sports book, you're depositing with crypto, it's con converted to US dollars at that time of the deposit. And then when you're pulling it out via withdrawal, it's converting back from US dollars to whichever crypto you're deciding to withdraw with, usually Bitcoin, but you can use any uh, number of it. And you know, I see a lot of people, especially in the gambling Twitter space of like, oh, I never get my withdrawal timing right. You can you trust that whenever I withdraw from the sports book, price of crypto is going down. What would be a general suggestion for you in terms of withdrawing from a sports book where you're converting from uh, U.S. dollars back to crypto? Man, it's hard enough. So first of all, you have to pull off a successful trade and then you have to actually pull off a, a successful crypto trade. I mean, it's that's like, you know, adding some uh, whole level of difficulty there. Um, I mean, I, I would just say there's nothing you can do. I mean, it's going to fluctuate. I think you have to make the best trade you can. Sorry, you have to make the best bet you can on sports and really get that nice profit, lock it up and just whatever happens, you can only control what you can control. Um, if you want to really time them, I mean, you got to put in some time, some work. You got to learn classical charting and sure. Watch my YouTube channel. You'll, you'll learn a lot. So if you really want to do that, that's, that's what you're going to have to do, but it's not going to be easy. Okay. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. And the reality is for everyone who did ask that question and we did bring it up because we've probably got that like at least 15 to 20 times is like a sports book would draw. It's not instant. Right. So when Ched's is trading, like yeah. he's trading on it on, I mean, if it's not to the second, it's five seconds, 10 seconds. And then that trades processing right away. When you process a withdrawal, yeah. even if it's an hour later, um, you know, some of the technical trading is not going to work. You might be an hour behind on price. And then there are some sports books that obviously, you know, guarantee a withdrawal within 24 hours and it's set whenever. So you don't really control that. The reality is if you've got a lot of money in a sports book and you don't want to, you know, get affected by the, the volatility of crypto all in one shot, the dollar cost averaging, like Chad's mentioned is good. That would obviously, you know, require you to withdraw instead of withdrawing a thousand upfront, you know, maybe you withdraw 250, 250, 250, 250, one week apart yeah. on each. Yeah. And then at least there you're, you're protected by some sort of dollar cost averaging. But for the most part, um, I think it's, it's just best to, to withdraw, it, let it ride. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Everyone remembers the losses and, uh, you know, not really the wins too much. Yeah, I would say honestly, if you have to, if it's a lot of money, it's actually worth you getting some basic trend analysis, and you might have a, just a basic system where, you know, like, you know, you may want to um, withdraw it more aggressively if it's obvious to you the bears have momentum. That's like that's one thing, right? If it, you know, if you were asking me how to withdraw back in, um, you know, like September October would be different, you know, because you were rising. But now that we're kind of in a rougher environment, I think you have to be more aggressive. Right. Bitcoin is, is under threat right now. So, you know, that's just the deal. So it may be worth it. If you really have a lot of money, you should learn some trend analysis 
just to get a sense of what Bitcoin's doing. But maybe, you know, maybe that's too much to ask. What about a general concept of, we obviously hear, we hear this in everything, and this includes in sports betting, buy low, sell high type of thing. You hear it in traditional markets as well. What about the concept of if we do see, a, you know, a massive collapse in the market, like we've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks, taking a little bit out at that time, converting, like the notion of basically buying crypto at a low point or vice versa, when crypto is increasing, you might want to put more money into the sports book at that time. Am, am I kind of out to lunch there in, in just using that general strategy? So if I understand that when Bitcoin's rising, you want to be more aggressive with the sports betting or is it somewhat different? Well, you're, you're, you're sort of locking in profit by converting it to USD, putting it into a sports book at that time. Whereas I see, I see. Yeah. Oh, I think that's smart. Yeah, I think there's some value to that. I think you're kind of applying the concept of buying the blood and selling the greed. And um, that's, I think it's, that's a pretty good, a pretty good way generally for you to, to look at it. I definitely agree. So this was Rob's question. I know I'm going to, I'm going to steal it from him right now, but uh, you know, we, we don't like it when people ask us for specific picks on a game. And the reason is, you know, yeah. if somebody asked me who's going to win this weekend's football game, the reality is there's a probability that team A is going to win and a probability that teams B, team B is going to win. So I would technically bet on either side based on how, what odds you're, you're offering me. So we're going to ask a couple questions. I guess we'll ask two each. We'll ask them in terms of probability. So you don't have to say, will Bitcoin dip be- below 30K in the next 30 days? But the question is, what is the probability that Bitcoin dips below 30K in the next 30 days? What's the likelihood, you think, for your assign a rough percentage? Yeah, that's a great question. I think about it this way too, because because of poker, and I think about like you know ace ace versus deuce deuce, and that whatever like eighty four percent. When we broke forty k, I thought it was about a ninety percent chance we would hit thirty k. Um, so what is the question? What is so? Do we are we going to be below thirty k in the next thirty days? So What's call the probability? it, it probability wise. Yeah, yes. call it by March first. Below thirty k in the next thirty days. Um, I would say it's less likely, less than 50-50. Um, I think we're due for a relief rally. You've got so much bearish momentum already. I, I talked about this. I did a, um, a video on, on, what is it? I did Wednesday night, Bitcoin Live. And I talked about, you know, the idea of like the bottom of the channel, the top of the channel. And you have these zones with Bitcoin, 30K, 40K. You know, the bottom of the channel is 30 to 32. And the top, you know, 39, 38, 40K. And we kind of have tagged the bottom of the channel. And we did it in, so fast that we have a little bit of a time for a counter trend or a mean reversion rally. That's what we're doing right now. I think we're actually probably going to hit 40 K and then kind of pause and maybe come back and then test support and start to look for a higher low. So what, what I mean to say is it's been incredibly bearish, but I think bulls are, are due to do a little damage and kind of bounce back a little bit. That will take some time. I think long enough time that uh, it will be hard to maybe do that in March. Uh, if we were to drip dip below you know, 30K, it probably wouldn't be till April, I would think. I think just bulls right now are, are mounting just enough of a defense based on what I'm seeing. You see volume there. You want to understand that you see the most volume at the top and the bottom of a chart. That's when bulls and bears are doing battle. They're battling, right? When you're moving in a trend, you're moving in a direction, right? You've already got an imbalance in supply and demand, right? You don't have enough supply. So the demand keeps pushing the price higher. You can think about a trend in anything, you know, price of cars lately, right? The price of anything, right? I bought a Casper mattress. It's gone up 50% from the one I bought like two months ago. All right. So there's an imbalance in supply and demand. You don't need a lot of volume to just move in a trend, right? You're just moving in a trend. You can do that on light volume. So a lot of people, a lot of new traders mistake the lack of volume. Oh, it's bearish. There's no volume. Well, you don't need volume if you're trending. Okay. That's why you get the most volume at the bottom and the top of a chart when you have the battle. Right. And the other side tries to recapture momentum, look for volume. We've got some volume here. I think we're due for a relief rally. I could see it hitting 40K and rejecting. And then from there, there, who knows? You know, my style, I don't really predict um, too much. I look at kind of more probabilities. I try to be ready for them. And I rarely look more than like a week out or even a few days, you know, because you're just guessing. Um, And it works pretty well. You know, just wait. The price will tell you. Everybody talks. Just wait. Let the price will tell you. Like, you know, what are we doing? Fair enough. Okay, so the answer there was less than fifty percent chance uh, that Bitcoin is going to dip below thirty k. You know, I guess from now until March first. So the ne- the next one, and I I know you just mentioned you don't like looking too long term, um, but this is the one everyone wants to know. So if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to answer it. But probability that Bitcoin 
hits 100K, 0.00, at any point in 2022? Give me a probability. Uh, 2022. I have like one in three, maybe. One in three. That's okay. higher than I expected. Oh, uh, oh, it's definitely in the mix. You've got, you've got the bull. The, you know, I always say a true chart technician can articulate both the bullish and bearish thesis, right? You're able to look and say, here's the bull case, here's the bear case. Bulls can still say, we have a badly wounded ascending triangle. We still have an ascending triangle, even though it's a little bit wounded here. You know, what that means is you've got a resistance level clearly defined around 68K, and then you have rising demand. So what that looks like is a, a you know, triangle with a rising slope and a flat top. That's an ascending triangle, a bullish continuation pattern. What that means is every time it tries to break through 68, it pauses, but each time it comes back, it's a little bit higher and eventually gets to that top and it breaks out. That's still potentially in play. We flip 40K into support, you know, that one in three you know, becomes kind of a uh, 40%, 45%. So there's, there's levels that that, that can increase. Um, but bear, I mean, hundred K it's going to take, definitely take some time. The, the chart is, is very much, um, it's not completely broken, but it's, it's a little bit broken here. What's the probability 100K. that you in your lifetime purchase any Dogecoin? Yeah. Any Dogecoin <laughs> purchase it. I trade, I trade it. I will never buy any. It's never going to end up in the, lo- the long-term hold. No, what's the point of that? It, because the, it's the anti-Bitcoin. Bitcoin has scarcity. There's only so much of it. Dogecoin has like a hundred thousand times the amount of Bitcoin, and there's no point. You know, it's just, it's just, there's no point. But like, if it if it pumps really quickly on Elon on Elon Musk tweet, I might go look to short it, right? Because that's a that's a, a bounce in a downtrend. You always want to you always want to play against a move against the broader trend. You know what I mean? So I'll trade it. I'll play it. Right. Yeah. I might buy it on a quick, massive flash dip, too, especially if it maybe revisits a key support level that it's kind of held in the past. So I'm open to that. I'm open minded to that. But there's, I mean, I'm going to buy it. I mean, I'm Bitcoin and Ethereum. The, 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 the road from Ethereum to Dogecoin is pretty far, my friend. <laughs> All right. So what you're saying is, you know, you at, at any given point, you may hold it at any given second. It may be in your portfolio, but it's not a long term hold <laughs> by any means. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'll, I'll, I will I will definitely risk funds uh, with Doge at some point, but I would never uh, I would never hold on to it. Like, fair, no, fair enough. OK, uh, the probability that any cryptocurrency surpasses Bitcoin or Ethereum's market cap in your lifetime. Oh, it's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. I mean, Ethereum, you know, was uh, heading in that direction. So I would think, you know, I think the market cap, yeah, that's a pretty good, I think something will have a bigger market cap, especially because of, because of how, how many there are, mm-hmm. you know, you look at how like SHIB, like what was that? The uh, Chinese Doge? Yeah. Um, the, all of a sudden had like a, I don't even know the market cap, but it was like bigger than like, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Like where did that come from? So like you can see market caps, but uh, saying so, because Bitcoin, that's the thing. It's hard. It, yeah, you can get bigger than Bitcoin because there's only so much Bitcoin. There's a scarcity of it. And people, there's people have thrown away Bitcoin. There's Bitcoin lost forever. I mean, it's going to be, that's what I like about it. So I would think it's very likely to, in my lifetime. Although, as I said earlier, every day is a gift. So I can't guarantee anything, man. So I would say it's, it's likely though. I'm going to add one more in here that actually wasn't on my script, but I've been reading your tweets over the course of the last couple hours today. So the probability that Dave Portnoy sells his Bitcoin at a loss? Um, 80%. <laughs> so what, what happened with Dave Portnoy? Obviously, he bought, uh, he bought used, Bitcoin he, today, and then you've been, you've been tweeting back and forth. Yeah. What's, uh, you know, what's got you? Yeah, I, did a couple, I did it a couple times, and I deleted one of them. I need to be mindful. I, there's no reason to summon animosity or negativity or you, right. know, like, you know, go after someone. But it's funny to poke fun at him in a friendly way. I call him Butterhands Portnoy. And like a year ago, he tweeted out, I will never buy Bitcoin. I'm like, all right, cool. Because he bought like Link at $10 and then Rage sold at eight. And then it went to like $20 like the next day. Like he's known as having like butter hands. So um, I mean, he's entertaining. I like the guy. This, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, thinking about the uh, trading part of it. So um, I think he will. He's not good at timing the market. He's very emotional. He goes with his feeling. He's not like a disciplined guy. You wouldn't want him to... Uh, you wouldn't want him to kind of execute like a precision plan for you. You know, that's my feeling about Dave Portnoy. So, yeah, I hear you. I, uh, I've watched a lot of Davey day trader myself. I find it absolutely hysterical and entertaining. 
Um, but yes, yeah. I've also noticed the same trends in terms of his purchases over the years as well. Um, we'll get you out on this, Cheds. It's a question that we ask to every single one of our guests on this uh, podcast. So general advice, if you could go back five years and talk to a previous version of yourself, what piece of advice would you give to your old self? I would say I would focus more on uh, continuation versus reversal plays. And I'm speaking to myself as my advice as a trader because only, you know, nine, nine out of 10 of my losses in my career have been trying to guess when a chart is going to turn around. It's, it's the single biggest mistake and it's the hardest one to stay away from because you're like, well, if I, if this is the bottom, then I bought and I can ride it. No, because it's so hard to hold, right? It's so hard to hold a trade. You know, you're green and then it pulls back a little bit and you're freaking out. But you tell yourself, hey, if I buy the bottom bottom, I'll hold comfortably. So you create this fallacy, right, where you're going to magically, you know, buy a dip. So the advice I would I'd be like, focus on continuation plays. Only play what's called relative strength. Relative strength means the charts that have been the strongest relative to the rest of the market. Right. That's what you want to focus on. That's what I would tell myself. And I'd say, go find a dip in an uptrend and then sit back and enjoy it. It's good advice from Cheds. Cheds, I actually have to ask you, it wasn't our last question, just because on a personal level, where did the name, where did you come up with Cheds? Like, how did that come to fruition? Back in, um, back in my twenties, I was the only one of my friends who had a job. (laughs) And so like, I, I would basically pay for everything. I took us on trips but all the dinners, like, so it's like Cheds, you know, cheddar. So, right. um, and it's just, it's, it's changed over the years. We still, as my friends, we still use it, but uh, that's where it originated from. And, and, and what was the motivation for doing like the one minute dance with the music at the top of every one of your videos? I love, man, I love music. Music will move me, you know? So I kind of let that happen. Um, it's also, it's a way to, to be disarming. I think I want to be, I want people to, I want to be open to people and I want them to kind of enjoy it because it's a tough topic. It's a tough thing to learn. So it's really kind of my teaching style too, as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Big Cheds, subscribe to his YouTube channel. Again, get his book, best-selling author, Trading Wisdom, 50 Lessons Every Trader Should Know, which is available on Amazon. Uh, anything else I'm missing there, Cheds, that you'd want people to check out? Yeah, the book is free on YouTube. Go to, go to Cheds Trading or Cheds on YouTube. I've got 20% of the book for free, eventually the whole thing. And um, really just an honor, a lot of fun. I think you I can, you have a great studio, a great format, a great presentation. I think you're creating a lot of value here for your listeners. So I would, I would give you kudos for that. Thank you, Cheds, and thanks for coming on. I will say one last thing for anyone who was a little bit confused with, uh, you know, Chad's mentioning all these different trading things, these different shapes on the charts. Um, You know, it's obviously tough to understand when you don't have the charts up on the screen. But if you do go to Chad's YouTube, it's it's much more simple. He pulls everything up. You know, you're going to see the chart drawing on the screen, pointing to different things. A lot easier to understand. So that's the last thing I'll say. If anyone was a little confused during the podcast, head on over. You might find it a, a, a lot simpler. Thanks for the time, Chad's. Much appreciated. Yeah, I hope you all stay safe out there and I wish you uh, all the best. This has been episode number 41 of Circles Off. Please rate and review five stars if you can. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe to us on the YouTube channel uh, and anywhere where you download your podcasts. We'll be back next week.